0: Well, would you look at the time? It's time for our regular Wendigo Skinwalker episode. In my opinion, these two words have basically become synonymous for any outdoor-adjacent boogeyman, but that's all right. Because whether these truly are skinwalkers, Wendigos, or stray pit bulls suffering from child withdrawals, they're still creepy. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, here to share allegedly true and scary stories of the unexplained with you. If you have a story of your own, send it to me at darkstories.org and catch my other shows by searching for EerieCast on your favorite podcast app or go to EerieCast.com. Now, let's begin. Creature in South Dakota From J equals Lou 314 In 2019... I was 20 years old. I was in my final semester of college. I was attending a university in the southeastern part of South Dakota. Originally, I was born and grew up in the greater St. Louis area in Missouri, eight hours away from my university. During my time in South Dakota, I met many people of different backgrounds and cultures, especially Native Americans from the Sioux tribe. During many late-night conversations at the library, we would talk about the mythologies of their culture, like the Thunderbird and Sasquatch. As a child, I was obsessed with researching cryptids and watching shows like Monster Quest and Mountain Monsters. However, as I grew up, I began to disregard my past beliefs. I became more skeptical of stories I'd believed in my youth. When I would speak with my Sioux classmates about their culture and beliefs, It was more of an intellectual curiosity, I have to admit. However, some of their stories would show up in my nightmares. Stories about beings, which could shapeshift and mimic your friends and family. That's enough to make anyone terrified, in my opinion. In the middle of my final semester of school, my girlfriend had broke up with me, and to be honest, it had been affecting my mental health and my schoolwork. She was my first real relationship, and the thought of now being alone was something I'd never had to deal with before in my life. My two friends slash roommates, Sean and Tyler, both noticed this. and At first, they gave me some space. However, two days turned into two weeks, and they became increasingly worried for me. One night at around 10 p.m., I was watching some television, Drinking a bang energy drink. Suddenly Sean knocked on my door so loud the star blast flavored liquid spilled out onto the carpet. Sean opened the door up and with a grin exclaimed Come on, bro, we're going hunting. Sean was a self described ladies man from the West Coast. He was about six foot five, believe it or not, built like a former offensive lineman. Which made sense because that's how we met. Sean, Tyler, and I were all former offensive linemen who came to play for the school we were currently attending. I'd gotten injured the year prior and decided to call my football career quits. Sean and Tyler both quit as well for personal reasons that I won't get into here. Over the years, Sean and I went from reluctant teammates to close friends. Tyler was closer to Sean than me, however, we got along quite well. Tyler was from Nebraska, was about my height, 6'2", and was about 285 pounds of pure muscle. He was the country boy of our trio, and there wouldn't be a moment you couldn't catch him without chewing tobacco in his mouth or a cheap beer in his hand. I knew Tyler had gone hunting with Sean before. However, I was never the hunting type. I'd been too busy sulking in my room lately to muster up the courage to ask if I could tag along. I looked up at Sean, saying, I don't know, man, think I'm just gonna take it easy. He looked at me and replied, Justin, listen, I'm sorry about your breakup, but you gotta stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get back out there again. Come on, dude, just go out with us. Sean's words bounced around my mind for a few moments. I looked down at the energy drink-stained floor for another moment. I knew if I said no, I would only torture myself for the rest of the night, eating cheap gas station pizza and staring at my ex's social media. So I looked back up at Sean. (sighs) Screw it. Let's go. Tyler was already sitting in the driver's seat of his truck, as Sean and I shut the front door of our apartment and locked it. Tyler rolled the window down and called out, Oh my god, he's alive! Sean chuckled and I forced a smile. Haha, very funny, Tyler. Sean jumped in the passenger seat of the truck. I was stuck in the back. Next to me was a nearly full thirty-pack of cheap beer. Tyler asked me to grab him one and I obliged. I know, not the smartest thing to do. For the next two hours, we drank and drove around the back roads of South Dakota, riding around dirt trails that seemed to go on forever, surrounded by the endless plains covered in darkness. The only light for Miles was the headlights of Tyler's truck. At one point along the way, Sean and Tyler got out of the truck at neck brake speed, and I followed closely. Suddenly, there was a bang. And several moments later, Tyler walked over to the side of the road, bent over and picked up the dead raccoon he'd shot by the tail and turned back to us with a cheesy grin. This repeated a couple more times before the incident. At one point, Tyler looked at Sean and I, asking if we needed to go pee, at which point we both raised our hands, like Tyler was some elementary school teacher. He rolled his eyes, then began to slow his truck down to a stop in the middle of the dirt road we were on. On the right side of the truck, there were about twenty yards of grass, then dozens of trees beyond it, seemingly spread farther out than we could make out. On the left side of the truck were the continuous Great Plains. We'd all gotten out of the truck to relieve ourselves. Since there was no one in sight for miles, we stayed on the dirt road next to the running truck, as I finished and sipped up my pants, I looked over toward the tree line. I was startled. There were two glowing yellow orbs in the trees, only about twenty yards away. Thinking that the beer had caught up with me, I rubbed my eyes good and hard and opened them again. But the yellow orbs were still there in the tree. They were about twenty or twenty-five feet up off the ground, Thinking that I'd found another raccoon, I looked at Tyler and yelled for him to come over here. He walked on over to me, and I told him what I saw and pointed it out. Tyler looked at the tree line, then back to me. He shook his head. Bro, you should get your eyes checked. There's nothing over there. I looked back at the tree line, and he was right. The yellow orbs were gone. Thinking it must have been the booze, I shrugged it off and turned around to walk back to the truck. As I turned around, I heard movement from the trees where I had just been looking. All of a sudden, boom. I felt the ground shake, like something had fallen out of the tree that we were looking at. I turned to look at the trees again, and I saw those same yellow orbs several feet below where they were before. Now, they were about 8 to 9 feet off the ground. I strained my eyes to see if I could make out more details, but nothing. Just pure darkness, except for those yellow orbs that I knew to be eyes. I couldn't move. I was so scared. I'd seen a million movies and TV shows where the characters are frozen with fear. But that saying doesn't really do it justice. I had to remind myself to even breathe. I could hear my own heart beating more and more rapidly as time went on. I dared not look back to check on Sean and Tyler in fear that turning away from this creature would cause it to rush towards me and destroy me. Then I felt a hand on my shoulder. I nearly jumped right out of my own body. It was Tyler, calmly but firmly saying, we need to make a dash to the truck. If not, we're gonna die. I nodded my head. On the count of three, he said. One? Two? Tyler never got to three, because as soon as he said two, we heard the most terrifying, awful sound I could have ever imagined from the figure cloaked in the darkness. It was like hatred and evil and danger pouring out in the form of a roar. The sound was high-pitched, but somehow also deep at the same time. Whatever was making this noise had to have impossibly large lungs. Feeling and logic shocked back into my body. Tyler and I turned and ran to the truck. I could see Sean frantically fiddling with the front passenger side door, eventually opening it and jumping inside. Sean also opened the rear passenger side door of the truck for us. As I ran to the truck, I could hear loud breathing and footsteps catching up to us. I ushered all my energy into running faster than I ever had before. I basically dolphin-dived into the back of the truck while Tyler jumped into the driver's seat, putting the truck into gear and slamming on the gas. As we lurched forward, I looked back at the dust the truck had kicked up and all I saw in that immense darkness were the two glowing eyes. They were staring at us as we sped back to our apartment. Eventually, Tyler pulled into our driveway, and the three of us piled out of the truck as quickly as we could. I pulled out the keys, and we all nearly fell into the living room as I opened the front door. Once we'd settled down and began to sip on some coffee, which Sean had made— We began to tell each other our respective sides of what we'd seen. Sean had only heard the roar, not much of anything else. As I told my story, Sean gave me a puzzled look. However, Tyler backed me up, saying that they saw the same thing as I did once he heard the large crash from the tree. Dazed, confused, and exhausted from the night, we all passed out shortly after. In the morning, I woke up with a slight headache, and walked into the kitchen. Tyler was already there eating breakfast. I grabbed a protein bar and began to chew away with him in silence. Eventually, I looked at him and asked, "'Tyler, what the heck was that?' He stopped eating and looked at me with a look that said he'd seen things like that before. "'Well, I don't know. All I know is it wasn't human, and it wasn't like anything I've ever hunted.' After I graduated, I moved back to the St. Louis area. Over the years, I lost touch with Tyler and Sean. Last I heard, Sean went back to the West Coast, and Tyler went back to Nebraska. I'm now 25, engaged, and have a pretty nice job in law enforcement. Most days have been good, but every now and then when I'm driving at night alone, I think about the encounter I had all those years ago and I thank my lucky stars I got away alive. Over these years, I began to do some research on other cryptids, like I did when I was a kid. I can only narrow it down to either maybe Bigfoot or possibly a skinwalker. Either way, those eyes will remain in my soul as long as I live. Dear Mr. Creature in South Dakota, let's not meet again. the thing in the yard from silver bullet 54 my cousin jack from florida had a house in college that i spent some time at when he was moving things around to a closer house so he could commute to campus once the semester started he had me keep an eye on the property every night because he said that there was something out there i didn't really believe him but he also wasn't a liar So, I wasn't really sure what to think or expect. I figured that if he was that spooked, it might be dangerous. Turns out, he was right. One night, when I was using a flashlight to check the backyard, I saw something strange standing near the tree line. It was tall, bluish white, and probably about 100 yards away from me. I put down the light to see if it was just a reflection but it was still there. I turned around slowly and went back inside, telling Jack what I saw. He said he'd seen the same thing, and that was what he needed me to keep an eye out for. When I asked what it was, he told me it never got close enough for him to get a better look. It was like it wanted to be seen, but not too close. I suggested maybe a poltergeist, but he shook his head, telling me it couldn't be because it never made any noise. The next night, I was sleeping until I heard suddenly four dogs barking and howling. Both Jack and I jumped out of our beds, almost gliding with each other in the middle of the hallway. We managed to stop in time to avoid a crash. Then we rushed outside. The two of us froze and our mouths were wide open. His backyard now had three shimmering creatures that were like the one Jack and I had seen before. He just stared, and I made a small choking sound. We were just that terrified. The barking suddenly stopped, and these creatures glided, yes, glided, back into the trees, vanishing. Jack was just silent for a few minutes. Then he asked what I thought. I just shook my head and couldn't really answer. After Jack moved out, I spent one more day at the house. As I was cooking dinner, I heard a sound outside and peeked out. The backyard was empty, except for a pale bluish-white figure. It was pacing around. I turned off the oven and ran out the front door, jumping in my car and tearing out of there. I still have no idea what it was, but some sort of skinwalker seems like the most likely explanation. But why did I see three on one night and one on the other? And what was that last one doing out there during the day? Walker Lake Wendigo from Northern Pacific. What I'm going to share with you is one of the creepiest gut-wrenching encounters I've had in my entire life. Two friends of mine, Joshua and Ethan and I were residing in tents for a couple of nights. We were going on our seasonal duck hunting trip at Walker Lake. It was November of 2017. At the time, we weren't very experienced in that area. It was our first trip to Walker Lake for hunting purposes together as a group. The only friend somewhat familiar with the place was Ethan, who had previously hunted north of Walker River for small games such as rabbits and coyotes. All of us were well equipped, however, with all of our hunting equipment as well as three tents and food. Now that brings me to the first incident. At about 4 a.m. on the first morning there, I believe it was a Saturday, I was the first to wake up. I decided to leave my tent and go take a leak. I walked on over to some nearby brush and in front of me was the lake itself. It was still very dark at the time and the sun would not show until hours later. While I was using the restroom, I looked around to scout what I could with the little vision I had in the dark, and near the shore about 70 yards to my left, I could make out a figure. This figure was hunched over, looking at the ground in front of the water. I'd just about finished my business, so I zipped up my jeans and ran back to the tents to alert the other guys of potentially another hunter being in the area. I woke Joshua from his slumber, but Ethan was out like a light. So I told Joshua about the figure I saw. The two of us looked over the brush and saw the figure still, this time standing completely straight. We couldn't tell if the figure was facing us, though, or if it was facing the lake. It was still just too dark. As soon as Ethan awoke, and started walking towards us, the figure dropped on all fours, beginning to move over brush in its way, making its way closer to us. Joshua and I got down, beginning to whisper to Ethan to do the same. Not sure what we said, though, Ethan just kept walking towards us, loud and confused. Then he looked over to where we were pointing. Now, from what Ethan told me later on after the trip, he apparently saw a figure with a very deformed and malnourished face. Nothing like a bear or a coyote. Ethan didn't say a word. He instead booked it back to the truck, leaving us behind. This left Joshua and I in an awkward situation. Because Ethan got a head start on us, and this creature was still approaching us. Better yet, seeing how scared Ethan had been had only paralyzed us. We stayed in our position, just waiting and listening. A few minutes later, we began to hear hard, steady footsteps. They must have been coming about 30 yards from us, walking towards the camp. Joshua and I slowly began to move our way behind the brush, facing the creature, so we'd remain unseen. I did peek my head around the brush to take a look, and there it was, a very hairy, large-looking dog or deer, It was facing away from us, staring at our campsite. Joshua then almost gave us away, beginning to whisper profanities, but I hushed him quickly. I stared at the thing for quite some time, waiting for it to go away. Then suddenly, the creature stood up and ran as fast as a coyote back towards the lake. Joshua and I just stayed there for what felt like hours, too afraid to move. We waited until the sun rose. We got through one day of hunting until we called our trip off early, due to the events that had occurred. None of us were really able to focus on hunting. I think our little group was just too creeped out. In fact, Ethan didn't want to hunt at all anymore. To this day, Ethan still has instances where he gets spooked or scared by the littlest things, which he claims is due to the face he saw on that creature. Whatever it was, it was bad enough to put him on edge for a very long time. We haven't been back to those hunting grounds since, as we believe they're claimed by that thing. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, People are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. I inherited a skinwalker from Zele. I'm a recently turned 16-year-old living in Oklahoma, and I believe there's a skinwalker stalking the women of my family. All these events started when I was walking up to my boyfriend's house at about 12am one day. It was a new moon night, so there wasn't any light to guide me up the driveway. I was using the dim light from my phone so I wouldn't step on any holes or anything, While I was thinking about how far of a walk I had, the night fell quiet around me, and I heard a loud and distinct whistle that came from my right side. I quickly shone my light in the general direction when I saw it. This tall, thin figure with glowing green-yellow eyes reflecting the light back at me. Quickly turning in the other direction, I sprinted to my boyfriend's house. I threw open the window and jumped in without a second thought. Concerned I may have woke up his dad, my boyfriend, Jay, asked why I did that. I explained what happened, and he told me to sit down while he grabbed me a water. Once he left, I heard a low whistle again from the window. There, that thing was staring right at me, its hands against the glass, attempting to open it. Jay got back before it could get it cracked open and it quickly ducked underneath the window before running back into the field. Even with the events leading up to this, I had a nice night with Jay and had him walk me back to my car. I promptly made my way back to my house, and I forgot about this event for about three weeks. The next encounter starts with me bringing my friend P to her boyfriend's house before driving back over to Jay's. The trip and time spent there were uneventful, It was on the drive home that I saw it again. As I was driving to P's boyfriend's house, I came across this bridge crossing a very low, dry creek bed. On that bridge, I saw something. It looked like a very strange-looking deer. It had legs and a neck that looked far too long for its body, and the poor thing looked to not have eaten for a long, long time. Its jaw wasn't hooked on quite right either just hanging low on its left side. Its eyes looked lifeless and blank. The strangest part about it was how it acted when I drove up to it. This was a one-lane bridge, which is fairly common in my region of Oklahoma, so I couldn't just go around it, as I would likely hit the railing on the side. I turned my brights off and stopped for a moment, trying to give it time to walk off the bridge on the opposite side. In reaction to this, the deer just stood there and stared at my car. I just sat there, thinking about how strange this poor creature looked, until I saw it take two wobbly steps towards me. Seeing this, I honked the horn, hoping it would move away. To my surprise, it jumped over the railing and down about 11 feet into the dry creek bed. It fell and broke what looked to be both of its front limbs. What it did next horrified me. It stood up on its two back legs and began to shuffle out into the shadows. I slammed on the gas, driving 90 miles per hour down back roads until I made it to P's boyfriend's house. I picked her up and we started driving back home. On the way, I told her about both encounters that happened prior. She was deeply unsettled, and we drove home in silence. For the next couple of weeks of me driving to Jay's house in the night, I swear I caught glimpses of that same deer here and there on the sides of the highway, where it would stare me down the entire time I drove past. It hasn't done anything crazy during those times, until what happened later. I should mention here, that the day before this next encounter, I had talked to my mother about what had been happening to me. She said she had been encountering the same type of creature since she had turned 15, and it had been doing the same things to her as it has to me. I then asked if she had had any recent encounters. She replied, No, they seemed to stop around the time you turned 15. That sentence sent shivers down my spine. Later that night, I texted my maternal grandmother, and she said the same thing. She had been seeing this weird thing once she turned 15, but it stopped when my mother turned 15. This creature seems to have been stalking my maternal side for generations, but neither my grandmother nor my mother have been interacted with as intensely as I've been, apparently. Now on to the events of the next night. I was making a drive to Jay's house when I saw that creature again. At this point, I've given it a name since I see it so often, and I like to think it makes it less scary. So I call it Jared. I spotted it four times in the past 20 minutes of the drive. On the fifth time... I saw Jared standing on its rear legs behind a road sign. I tried to get a picture of it to send to P to prove that what I was seeing was real. Unfortunately, all it showed was some barely noticeable green-yellow eyes. Still, I sent the photo over, and she said she could see something there. She called me and stayed on the phone with me until I got to Jay's house. During the time she was on the phone with me, I saw it three more times, each time it got bolder than the time before. I pulled down the driveway to Jay's place. That night was a relatively bright night, due to it being a waxing gibbous night. I made it up to his house and went through his window without any problems, other than the world being too quiet for my liking. It was exactly 1.37 in the morning when Jay went to use the restroom, leaving me alone in his room. Then, I heard the window, which I locked upon entry, beginning to rattle. Through the slit in the curtains, I saw those green-yellow eyes. And I swear, in a voice that sounded like my friend Pease, it asked me to open the window. This continued until Jay came back from the bathroom, asking me what that noise was. I told him exactly everything that had happened that night, and even showed him the picture as proof. He was as terrified as I was. We stayed on guard for most of the night until it was time for me to leave. And even then, it took a lot of persuasion to get me to leave that window, even with Jay walking me to my car with his hunting rifle and a bowie knife that he had hidden from his dad. We made it back to my car without any problems. He kissed me goodnight and I stayed until I saw him get back inside, closing the window. The drive back that night was calm and peaceful. Without another sighting from Jared, I'm truly not sure what's going on with this whole situation, and I'm all ears for any advice on how to deal with it. The Skinwalker Incident from ED 103. Lately, my little brother and I have been terrorized by some strange creature. It started about 10 months back. We heard strange noises coming from my backyard. When this happened, we were taking our dog on a walk. Of course, at night I carry a BB gun, and so does my brother. Helps us feel safe. We waited for our dog to wrap it up. The whole time we kept a good eye on the nearby bamboo. About a week back, my mother reported some strange noises coming from there. It was nearing the end of summer, My brother and I had been staying up late that night playing COD. Must have been around 4 a.m., I believe. Suddenly, the night was disrupted by this loud and very violent shrieking sound. I looked to my brother and said, You heard that, right? Yeah, he said. We went back in quickly, and that night we slept in shifts, keeping our BB guns by our sides. The next night we got a look at this thing. My brother and I were joking around watching Rick and Morty. My brother at some point got up and looked out the window, not sure why, but it was there he allegedly saw two large hind legs from a wolf-like creature. When he tells me what he sees, I at first don't believe him, so I take a look myself. When I saw it, I froze up. In my mind, I was screaming, but we both just looked at each other, knowing well enough that what we were seeing was real and disturbing. Before long, the legs walked away. Foliage obscured its body, so we never got a good look at the rest, but we knew whatever it was, was large. My brother and I couldn't help but believe it may be a skinwalker. We believe in a lot of paranormal things, and were native people, very spiritual. We would later learn, according to a repairman, our house had been abandoned for a long time. And the people who initially abandoned it had left their pets here to die. Even our grandmother, a firm skeptic, believes something is off with the bamboo here. Our most recent experience happened when we were once again walking the dogs. We had a new dog, a tough little German Shepherd puppy. We went outside, and I had to unload my gun, but I couldn't manage to take the BB out of the bolt so instead I opted to just shoot it out. I took aim and fired into the brush nearby. The moment I did, the most insanely loud and unnatural howl emanated from the brush. We screamed and ran so fast, slamming the door shut once we got back inside. We ran to our mom's room, grabbing one of the real guns. We then called our mom, panicking, telling her that something was outside and to come home. But she couldn't as she was on a date and she didn't really believe that a skinwalker was just outside. When I hung up, I grabbed some sage and began to smudge the house. My brother salted all the windows and doors. We then grabbed some white ash in case we needed to kill this thing before it killed us. Eventually, when our mom comes back home, She finds us scared to death with a gun. She reprimands us and puts the gun away, as I explained to her that we need an actual AR-15 to get the job done. But again, she didn't believe that we had a skinwalker. We would soon move from that place, but no matter what, I'll never forget that scream. Because it sounded like something you would hear from the depths of hell. Wendigo Encounter in Maine from Duke of Capri Sun. I was born and raised in Maine. I'm of Penobscot and Abenaki descent. The story I'm about to tell you took place in the town of Farmington, Maine, along the Sandy River. While at college in Farmington, my friends and I would go down to the banks of the Sandy River to smoke, drink, and start some small campfires. One night, we decided to do just that so I went down to the laundry room and collected lint from the dryers to aid as a fire starter. I knew we would struggle to light the fire, as it had snowed recently, and most of the kindling in the woods would be too wet to light. Additionally, I was always given the task of lighting the fires when we had them, as everyone else always struggled, and I could light it in moments. Once we gathered everything together that we needed, we all headed down to our usual spot, overlooking the river, and we started to collect firewood. The moment we got down to the overlook, I was instantly feeling unsettled, like I was being watched from every possible direction. I took note of this feeling, and decided to keep an eye out for anything else that might be unusual. In general, I'm very trusting of my gut instincts, as they're usually right. While everyone else was collecting firewood, I knelt down and started to try to light the lint in the ring of stones we always used. Suddenly, the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end, and below me, along the frozen beach, I heard footsteps. They sounded heavy, like what a moose or a cow would sound like, trudging through crunchy snow. I asked my friend Ian, Did you hear that? He just looked at me, Confused. He shook his head no. But I couldn't just shake it off like that. I knew something was wrong. Then the smell hit me. It was sickly sweet and was overlaid with the scent of dead flesh. Like a dead raccoon in a hot dumpster full of rotten apples. I looked around, trying to determine if anyone else was smelling it. Then... Something said my name in a voice that sounded almost like a combination of radio static and tinfoil being crinkled up. In a split second, I put everything together. The uneasy feeling of being watched, the unidentified footsteps, the smell of rotten fruit and death, and the voice calling my name. I'd been told stories of wendigos my entire life, My grandfather always cautioned me about them, but I was never sure whether I believed it or not. The moment I realized what was going on, I closed my eyes and pressed my face into the snow in front of me. I could hear my friends asking me if I was okay, but they sounded like they were shouting down a long hallway. Then the voice spoke again. Look at me. It almost sounded like my grandfather, but I knew better than to respond to it. I lay down in the snow, my eyes shut tight, until the footsteps and the smell disappeared. Finally, I sat up and looked around slowly, keeping my eyes on the ground until I saw my friends circling me. I could finally hear them calling me. We need to leave, right now, I said. I guess I sounded sure enough, they didn't even question me. We walked in silence back to the dorms. Once we were back inside, Ian pulled me aside and asked what happened. Now, I didn't want to attract the potential Wendigo to follow me, so I said I felt like something was watching us, that I was afraid something bad was about to happen. I didn't tell anyone about that encounter, until i moved to another town none of my friends ever heard or smelled anything themselves so i think it targeted me because it knew that i knew what it was southern windigo from anonymous it happened back in 2019 i live in the countryside of alabama I was going camping with my girlfriend, Jen, and my best friend Travis, along with his girlfriend Sadie. We were all in our early 20s, fresh out of college. To celebrate, we went on this trip. We packed our usual things food, camping gear, and a speaker no drugs or alcohol. Travis and I even brought along our shotguns for protection. My dad told us of a good spot we could go to, so we listened. Before long, we picked up the girls and headed out to our destination. We cracked jokes, just trying to make each other laugh. Eventually, we arrived. I had to say the spot was beautiful, and it seemed we would have it to ourselves. We unpacked all the stuff and set up camp. When we were done, I tried to start a fire. When'd you learn how to do that? Travis asked. Well, my dad taught me. You can learn a lot from a man who had wilderness experience. True, true. I eventually got the fire going and all was well. The girls asked if we wanted to go swimming. We were down for it. We got in the water and had some fun. Later that evening, Amber and I got out and decided to go for a walk. As we were walking, I began to feel like someone was watching us. And at the same time... The sound of the wind died down. Amber asked, You okay? Yeah, but I just feel like we're not alone out here anymore. She playfully hit my shoulder. You're just being paranoid. Maybe, I replied. We began to walk back to camp, but that odd feeling clung to me. When we made it back, Travis and Sadie had finished up swimming. It was getting late, so I made some dinner, followed by us singing some country songs. Then, for a long while, we sat there, talking and roasting marshmallows. Travis then told us something. You know, this reminds me of a particular time my dad went hunting out here. When he came home one day, he looked like he'd seen a ghost. He said that he had heard voices, And saw something in the woods. What was it? Sadie asked. Well, I don't know. He described it as looking like a man, a man with very long arms who looked like he hadn't eaten in months. But he also said the thing had claws for fingers, and antlers atop its head. Amber chimed in. Sounds like yet another boogeyman story. Travis responded. I wouldn't go that far. He said he really saw it, in these very woods. Ah, whatever, I said. Maybe your old man's just trying to scare us so we don't hang out around here. Even if he did see something, then I'll believe it when I see it. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. Sadie excused herself to go to the bathroom then. Travis joked, Watch out for that thing, babe very funny she said back then it was just the three of us we sat there in the quiet suddenly that feeling from before grew stronger in fact travis and amber began to feel it too all at once the noises around the campfire went silent and a voice came from the dark over here here. we all turned in the direction of the voice It sounded like a woman in pain, like Sadie's voice. Please help. help. I'm in pain. pain. Sadie? Travis called. You better not be messing around. Then we heard Sadie coming out of the darkness. What? she asked. We were shocked. She came from an entirely different direction from where we'd heard her, and she looked fine. My god, Sadie, you scared me. Real funny, babe. What are you talking about, Travis? I was just over here the whole time. We heard the voice again. This time, it stopped sounding like Sadie. Help me. We all looked at each other. We were not alone out here. That was certain. Then, two pairs of footsteps began to walk around our camp and there came a low growl. Travis and I grabbed the shotguns, telling the girls to get behind us. Whoever's out there, I said, you'd better leave. We're armed. The footsteps suddenly stopped. Travis grabbed the flare gun. He fired it, illuminating the entire forest. We saw it then. This thing was unlike anything we'd ever seen. Not a normal animal. Not a person. In fact, it looked a whole lot like what his dad had described. It began to screech, like it couldn't handle the light from the flare, or possibly it had been startled by it. Run! I yelled. The girls did just that. Travis and I soon followed. Amber tripped on a route. I slowed down to help her. Obviously, I couldn't just leave her behind. I helped her up and told her to run. In that instant, there was a pain in my chest, sharp and burning. I yelled out in pain, firing the shotgun almost instinctively in the direction of the attack. I pushed forward, running as fast as I could. I made it back to the truck, everyone else yelling at me to get in. I did, and Travis began to drive. I could hear that thing out there screaming and running around in the dark. But as we drove... I stopped hearing it, and I think it gave up. I think I passed out then. My memory's a bit hazy after that. Maybe I was going in and out of consciousness. One moment it was dark, and the next I saw traffic lights. And at last, hospital lights. When I fully came to, I was in a hospital room. I saw Travis and Sadie sleeping to my left, and to the right was Amber. Thank god you're okay, she said. Of course I am. My chest hurt. Whoa there, Amber said. Travis and Sadie were waking up. Glad you're still with us, Travis said. What happened? He explained. I'm pretty sure that thing left you with three claw marks on your chest. You were bleeding pretty bad. We drove straight to the hospital. Well then, I commented. If it makes you feel better, Amber said, I think scars can be cute. Alright then, thanks. I owe all of you. Don't mention it, Travis replied. Well, thank you for not leaving me behind with that thing, Amber said. Our parents were called, and four weeks later... I was recovering quite well from my injuries years after this travis and sadie got married and not long after amber and i did the same and we have a baby on the way i'll remember that night for the rest of my life i look back at it and i think maybe we encountered this supposed wendigo i'm just glad to be alive Did I see a wendigo or a skinwalker? From Frank, MFEB13. I moved to Pennsylvania in August 2002. I was 11 years old. Before that, my family and I had lived in Long Island. Where we moved to was a very rural part of Pennsylvania that was close to the New York New Jersey border. I'm not a person who really believes in paranormal activity or cryptids, or anything of the sort, to be honest. But there is one occasion that I cannot get out of my mind, especially as of late. Probably because I've been listening to a lot of Wendigo, Skinwalker, and other cryptid stories. They happen to remind me of the time we had just moved to Pennsylvania. It couldn't have been any more than a couple of months of us living in our new home. The place we moved to was a trailer. It sat on its own plot of land, We didn't live in a trailer park. It was a one-story structure. My brothers and I shared a bedroom, which was at one end of the trailer, while my parents' room was at the other end. One day I was sitting in my room watching TV, or maybe playing video games. Can't really remember, it's been over 20 years. But I do know for sure it was at least 9pm, as I remember it was dark out. I was sitting there minding my own business like any 11-year-old kid, and I heard a knock at my bedroom window. I opened up the blind to the window to see who was knocking at it, and what I saw when I looked out shocked me. There were these yellow glowing eyes staring at me from the dark outside. I can't remember if I bothered to close the blinds or not, but I got up and left the room sleeping in the living room that night. I told my mom about the experience the next day, and she said it must have been the neighbor's cat. That made no sense to me. What I saw was way too big to be a cat, and I'm pretty sure cats don't knock on bedroom windows. There were also no tree branches or anything that was close to our home that could have caused that knocking noise. Nothing for any smaller animal to stand on to gain that much height, so whatever it was, It was human height to reach the window, and had yellow reflecting eyes, and was interested enough to knock on the window to get my attention. This still bugs me to this very day, and if anyone knows what I might have seen, I'd love to hear it. The Thing Crawling in the Hallway From Quinn D.G. This is my sister's story. You can call me Devin, and my twin sister's name is Sasha. We live in Michigan, and we've lived in the house this occurred at our entire lives. We've always believed in the paranormal. Ever since we were little, we experienced things that just couldn't be easily explained away. Overall, it's not been anything bad or evil. But around when my sister was 10 or 11, she started to see things, She would describe them as people coming to her distressed. I remember her often talking about a man who didn't speak much English, frequently coming to her, sometimes nightly, looking for his son. Some others were spooky, maybe a bit malevolent, but nothing that's been terribly scary enough to cause her to be afraid to sleep in her own room. If things get too bad, typically we will sage the house after she has an encounter like that and it'll be good for a few months. But this happened one night. My dad and I stay up later than anyone else, usually past midnight. My sister will usually go to bed around 10 and 11, just as she did that night. I was doing some art homework when my dad got a text. He quickly got up and went to the back of the house. I didn't think much of it. Sometimes Sasha will ask for something to be brought to her, like a band-aid eventually my dad came back and didn't say a word so i brushed it off when i went to bed i noticed my sister was sleeping in my parents room also not very uncommon so i sort of just rolled my eyes and moved on i never got any bad vibes or weird feelings at any point which is usually my sign that there's something around and that something might not be friendly This morning, as I'm getting ready to head to a job interview, my dad mentions to me that he needs to sage the house. I asked him why, and he hesitated before telling me. But he said that my sister saw something. I asked her about this too, but she said that it was dark, so she didn't make out many details. This is what she described. There was a man, or something that looked like a man, a bit shorter than me and I was five foot two. It or he was crawling back and forth between the end of the hallway and the bathroom. Sasha's room is very close to the bathroom, so she had a clear view of what was happening. This man, creature thing would occasionally stick its head in her doorway and look at her. This really gave me the creeps, as I hate the idea of paranormal things that crawl and most humanoid creatures She didn't recognize the man, couldn't pick out any features, but said that he was dark in color. She said that it might have been human, but she couldn't tell. Now, I know it wasn't our dog. She was in the living room with my dad and I. She wasn't big enough to look like more than a three-foot-tall person when standing vertically, so nowhere near five feet like that figure had been. Like I said... It's not uncommon for us to hear and see things in this house. We even see my dad's late father, who hangs around sometimes, though we see him a bit less since 2018. We've seen our old dog and old cat, who passed in 2014 and 2016 respectively. Sometimes, from my room, I can hear the sound of my dad typing on his keyboard at night, even though no one's there and Sasha's room has been a hotspot for activity for a very long time. Recently, she's been talking about hearing someone walking around the side of the house where her room is. My dad has gone to check it out, and the only prints in the snow have been his own. Lots of freaky, unexplained stuff. Honestly, I never thought I'd have my own experience to share. Sure, I'm around these paranormal things a lot, but it's not common that I'm scared of them, But this experience with my sister seeing the crawling figure, I just don't know how to explain it. My sister and I are 17, almost 18 at this point. We don't have any younger siblings who could have done this. At the time we had one dog, a pit bull, and she was light in color. Not at all dark like that crawling thing. I'm wondering if it's some kind of ghost or spirit, a manifestation, or something entirely different. Theories are welcome, but I mostly just wanted to get this story out there. It's something that's always on my mind. Gotta give Sasha huge props for not screaming or yelling. I doubt we'll see that thing again, but I have so many questions. Skinwalker on my uncle's farm. From Midnight Cat. It's been years since I've had my encounter with what I believe to be a skinwalker. At the time, I was in middle school, 6th grade, I think, and I was fearless, or so I thought. I was at my great-uncle's house waiting for my grandma to come pick me up. I was getting bored, and it was after dark and warm outside, so I thought it would be a good idea to go out and ride the four-wheeler. My great-uncle would practically let me do anything I wanted out on the farm, so me going out for a nighttime ride didn't bother him. But that night, he said that I should be careful and not drive too fast. I told him okay. Really, I was just ready to go riding. I put on a light jacket and headed out to the four-wheeler, starting it up. I was having so much fun out there riding around. There's this small field that's quite close to my great-uncle's house, that was in my route. I drove past it a few times, but something caught my attention the last time I was heading past that field. I thought I heard a weird sound. And not only that, but there was also an odd smell as well. I stopped and looked around the field. That's when I saw this shadow moving towards me. So I backed up and turned so the headlights were facing the creature. Right away, I was terrified. This thing looked like a deer, but it was running on its hind legs, making a weird grunting sound as it went. I was practically frozen in fear, but I managed to snap out of it when I heard my grandma's car honking. I quickly drove over there, driving way too fast back to the house. I quickly parked the four-wheeler, And I literally ran so fast to my grandma's car, I accidentally ran into the car door. But I didn't let that slow me down, because I immediately got up and got in the car. My grandmother looked at me, asking, Why are you so scared? I put my finger up, letting her know I needed a second to catch my breath. Once I calmed down a bit, I told her, Nana, I saw something really creepy in the field. My grandma sighed and backed out of my great-uncle's driveway. She didn't ask what I saw, but I decided to tell her anyway. Of course, she didn't believe me, but I had nightmares about that thing for a straight week. Luckily for me, I never did see it again, and I never rode the four-wheeler at night again. Thank you for listening to Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoy this show, think about supporting us. There are several ways you can. Search for EerieCast on your favorite podcast app and follow our other scary shows, especially the other two I host, Tales from the Break Room and Camping Horrors. Leave Unexplained Encounters a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the higher we climb in the charts get some cool merch at eeriecast.store or unlock tons of cool extras like exclusive audiobooks and music tracks, add free access to all our shows and a huge 20% discount on all our merch all for less than 3 bucks a month by signing up for EerieCast Plus at eeriecast.com plus. Thank you. Until next time, send me your scariest stories of the unexplained at darkstories.org so I can narrate them in a future episode. And follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at darkprevails for plenty of screams and memes. Stay safe out there and stay creepy. Because this world is a strange one.